Hey everyone, it's Heather. I know you're here to listen to the podcast, but did you know I also offer all kinds of online consulting services? Stuff like webinars, book studies, curriculum training and consultation, and even companion activities for podcast episodes to use for staff development. If you're interested, you can check out my website at www.thatearlychildhoodnerd.com or you can email me at heather at thatearlychildhoodnerd.com. Thanks for listening. Grab your highlighters. Can't find them? They're probably right there in your pocket protector. It's time for that Early Childhood Nerd Podcast. Let's get nerdy. Here's Heather. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of That Early Childhood Nerd. I'm Heather Burnt Santee. Um, it's 82 degrees outside, but I'm freezing in my office, so I, <laughs> I keep wrapping up. My guest today is Liz Hicks, <laughs> and Liz and I met when I was doing some nerd book discussion groups a couple summers ago, maybe two or three summers ago. Post-COVID. Um, yes, right, right in there. Yeah, that's right. That's why so many people had time <laughs> to do the book discussion. Um, so, and we've, we've been in touch on social media, and um, I'm always interested in hearing and seeing what Liz posts. So we, we've got a specific quote she posted that we're going to talk about. But first, Liz, I want to let you um, introduce yourself, however, share whatever you'd like to share with folks who are listening. Okay, well, I'm here in Nova Scotia, and it is not 82 degrees. <laughs> well, I'll trade. <laughs> Hang on a minute. I've got to do I've got to put it into Fahrenheit for you guys. Um, <laughs> it's 26 plus 32 is so it's 58. Okay. It's about 58. All right. Degrees, but it's yeah. spring it's spring uh-huh. we have flowers nice. um so yeah um i'm originally from britain i was an elementary school teacher in britain so i got a lot of my uh, training from there and ca- but didn't want to teach anybody below the age of eight. Oh, i thought, I thought they were scary as hell <laughs> And because uh, I did a couple of stints in practicum with, um, you know, primary, primary mm-hmm. age and, whoa, they don't listen. <laughs> uh, but then um, I worked for my husband for a while. And then I met, and some of you probably know but this author, Susan Stacy. Oh, yeah. She, um, so she and I are very good friends. And I met her and she persuaded me, because I was an elementary school teacher, to come into a daycare locally. To, to do this after school however I fell in love with the kids below yeah. five. Oh, good so we then opened she and I opened up our own part day program and worked together for about five or six years then she started doing her thing and I stayed mm-hmm. so for 23 years I was I had a part day program with with three to five year olds oh. and I that was it I was in love mm-hmm and would never go above that again, <laughs> that age range again. Right, right. And then I ended up, I got bored. So I ended up with a job um, called Partnerships for Inclusion, where I was going into centers in Nova Scotia, looking at quality of programs. So, you know, uh, doing ECAs and ITAs. Mm-hmm. And we've got special link scales here that look at inclusion. Okay. And so I suddenly realized, oh my goodness, people are not doing what I think they should be doing with children. (laughs) Welcome to the show. (laughs) Right. What are we going to do about that? Uh 
what can I do about that? Mm -hmm. And slowly scaffolding, it's a long story. Um, in 2008, I ended up with no job, but centers called me and said, we like what you do. We like your workshops. You, we like your professional development you offer. Could, and we like you coming in and talking to staff. So would you continue? So mm -hmm. that's, the rest is history. Great. What a great story. <laughs> and I'm so yeah. glad you fell in love with early childhood. I think. Yeah, I would. Uh, oh, my goodness. And of course, great. I got involved with babies and then yeah. toddlers and went, what? <laughs> Why didn't I do baby and, uh, you know, toddler care as well? Like, yeah. This is ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. You know, that's my that's my favorite age. I, I love them all. Of course, whoever I'm working with, I'm mm. I'm, I'm in love with them. <laughs> But babies and toddlers are my, like, if I had my, yeah. my preference, my druthers, as my ex-mother-in-law used to say, um, you know, British? I, no, oh. <laughs> but she said it. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I would, you know, just someone gave me a pot full of money. I would just open a nice place for babies right. and toddlers and, and, uh, and just play and be happy and, right and that care nurturing, and love yes. caring. Yeah. yeah yeah you know I you know I'm going to reference the illuminating care you know Carol mm. Gabadon Murray's book yeah. that is amazing isn't it amazing yeah yeah and I keep you know saying you gotta buy this book I know I know I bought several um loaner copies when it first came out so yeah. that because I was like I, I need to get this in people's hands and if I have to buy it and let you borrow it that's what I'm gonna do yeah. um but then many of them didn't come back to me yeah, no, I've learned that lesson. <laughs> yeah, so, so now I guess they're going to buy their copies now. But yeah, um, yeah it's um, it's it really is amazing. Um, you know, and she's been on this show many times to talk about yeah. it. So if folks are interested, check her out. <laughs> um, okay, so here's what we're going to talk about. And you posted this. There's no um, there's no like uh, attribution for this quote. So if you know where it came from, I'll let yeah, you share that. But okay. Yeah. Um, so what it says, the, the title of the of the photo is uh, scaffold or quietly respect. And it's a little girl playing with dinosaurs. And it says, yes, the dinos are in her play. That does not mean I need to inundate her with dino knowledge and finger plays and songs. Because of the relationship I have with this child, I know the core of her play is her schematic need to order and sort. She had access to dinos, and so she found a way to meet her need with the dinos. She never invited me into this play, and there was no reason to interject my adult knowledge. Quietly observe and respect their play. I love a lot of things about this, um, not the least of which is the schema mention. <laughs> um, but I want to start by just asking you, uh, why, why, what did it mean for you when you shared it? Why, why was that something that you felt like was important for other people to see? Because, well, it's a, it's a, actually, it's a lady called Alice Hanscom. Oh yes. And um, thank you and for her, remembering to do that. And yeah. it's, um, you know, she does a thing called parenting with joy. So um, it, it's really because, partly because of COVID, but, but partly because of my work, I'm, we're seeing a lot of, oh, and <laughs> in Nova Scotia, we've got a new framework and we've also just rolled out three, four years ago, a pre-primary program. So mm -hmm. it's like junior kindergarten, it's free mm -hmm. for everybody. So a, a lot of ECEs just bailed and went to the, the pre-primary program, mm -hmm. which took a lot of people out of childcare. 
So there was then accelerated programs put in, training programs. To, re, to, to train and replace those who had left? Okay. And then COVID hits. So training's now on this damn thing, right? <laughs> so um, that, that relationship bit, that perspective taking, that opportunity to have conversation in a deeper way, it seems to have just blown out the window. Plus there are no experienced mentors or very mm-hmm. few still in childcare. So what I was seeing out there, and it was happening before that, but it, it's, it's got even worse now, is either people are suddenly teaching like crazy. So they see somebody, a child do something, and they're immediately there like a dirty shirt talking, <laughs> you know, what are you doing? Yeah. You know, oh, oh, look at that. I see you doing this. And why are you doing that? And tell me more about that. And I want to say, shut up. <laughs> And you know, that little girl wants to say it too, but she's not going to say it. Or they're not doing anything. Mm -hmm. They're, they're, oh, they're playing nicely and they just sit back and they're, uh, they do the chores, they're doing the cleaning because of COVID, Mm -hmm. uh, which, you know, I totally understand that. But um, because we had huge COVID regulations here that were just intrusive. Mm. about uh, especially where learning was concerned oh really however (laughs) we've got what is happening you know you've got those two ends and people when I ask them you know why are you jumping in so quickly there oh well we have to teach yeah that's what I'm told that I have to do in the training programs that's the the examples that are being given Mm -hmm. and practicum the teachers that they're getting feel as though they should be teaching the students or these new teachers so they're suddenly going into action with these kids instead of say quietly sitting back saying I'm sitting back at the moment because Uh I want to see what I can learn by just observing and, and, and quietly talking mm-hmm. with the other student or other teacher about what do you think is going on here? Mm-hmm. Where do you think we could go with this? You know, not yet. That's right. Just, Thinking that themselves, not necessarily right. saying that I to the quiet. children. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I do think it's so hard for, for, for adults who are working with children to, we, we feel like we need to be always involved with every bit of it and always sort of leading it. Um, and so it, it is really sort of, um, uh, the words failing me, but, um, confusing, I guess, when, yeah. when we then suggest that, um, you know, you, you could just watch, <laughs> you don't yeah. have to be, you know, that's, it's the whole, the word teaching, um, you know, for me, it's, it's more of a passive, um, sort of role than that always involved, mm. always in charge role. Totally agree. Yeah. And, and I've been, there's been a few things recently that have sort of connected that with that. I've noticed vocabulary happening, like allowing children, I let them do this. Oh boy. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I, I have to start myself reacting <laughs> and saying, you're allowing them. Hmm. Okay. Uh. Yeah. It's interesting that you say that because as soon as you said that I understood, yeah, that's really sort of a power trip, (laughs) but I just recorded an episode a couple of days ago 
where we were talking about schema play and schemas in play. And I, you know, I kept, I kept using the word, well, we just need to allow it. We just need to allow play. And then we will see these kinds of things and children will get these valuable experiences. Um, but yeah, there is, there is still a lot of power in that word, isn't there? Mm. Yeah. And I think that comes with the teaching piece mm-hmm. with the, with talking too much to children. Uh-huh. Yeah, I think it came it really, I really thought about it really hard when Ann Pella was here. This is quite a few oh, years ago. I love her. Oh, she's incredible. Is she? she yeah, I oh, imagine. <laughs> we were really, really lucky. We had her as a conference and she did some work um, uh-huh. with communities of practice with uh-huh. people. And then uh, the center I was working at at the time, we had it at a retreat um, called Windhorse Farm, which is an ecologically forest, a forest that's ecologically farmed mm. um, in the middle of nowhere. And it's just beautiful. It sounds and, amazing. Yeah. I, I, she's been on the show once and I felt, lo- <sighs> felt like I'd been to church when I got yeah. done recording. But anyway, you yeah. have a story to tell. <laughs> and her vocabulary, well, I, and I was going to tell yeah. a story that yeah. she told, but um, I remember she talked about, you know, she gave this example of children exploring leaves and well, how would you react? Uh-huh. And I sort of sat there and I thought, well, at this moment I wouldn't. So I said uh-huh. that, no, I'm not going to do anything. And she uh-huh. smiled <laughs> and everybody else was saying, well, I would do this and then I would do that and then I would do this and then I would do that. Uh-huh. And she said, you know, you don't have to do anything. Uh-huh. You just have to offer the materials again and see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I thought, oh, wow. Right. I said the right thing. Well, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I found the cookie in the cabinet. I found what she was looking right. for. Yeah, right. Yeah. But 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 I'm going to link that to her story and, you know, the the goodness of rain where she talks about that child that she was uh, looking after uh-huh. uh, for that year that she took out when she wasn't sure what she wanted to do. Uh-huh. And it was in Seattle and it had snowed and it very rarely snows in Seattle. And she'd opened the door. And this little 18 months, she didn't say anything. She just let the 18 month look. Uh-huh. And how many educators would do that? Right. Yeah. Because we're sometimes it's from our own excitement, right? Yeah. 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 So just that 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 quiet pause is so important. Um, so that reminds me of a a quote that I think is from, and I'm just gonna have to paraphrase it. I don't have it memorized, but I think it's from Sarah Smolansky, who's done a lot of, um, play research, uh, here. And, uh, someone asked her, which comes first, the, the belief in play or, or the play or something like that. And her answer was, well, if, if the adults don't believe in it, there can't there's not going to be like real free play if, and I think that's what I see. And I think part of it is because of um, the way we train teachers. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I'm, I'm a college professor now, so I can be a little bit more um, bold in that, in that assertion. But I think a lot of our, our teacher prep, whether it's in service or credentials or college degrees teaches them that they should be teaching. Like there's not enough time, um, resources, conversation, books, reading about, about play, even though we have all this, you know, research and we've got the children in front of us show, you know, if we would just pause and observe, like you're talking about who could teach us about it, but we don't quite trust it. 
So um, it's hard to make that, that switch. Yeah. But it's connecting them to their play. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I've been doing some workshops, a couple of the centers have been asking for workshops on play and I go, you've got it yet. (laughs) (laughs) So I always started off with playing with rocks, letting them play with rocks. Oh, oh, I love rocks. And I watched I, just last week, I watched a couple of educators that hadn't a clue what to do. Uh-huh. You could see, they kept looking at me as though, well, what do you want me to do? Uh-huh. Just play. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, just, you know, well, what do you, what do you want me to do? Just explore <laughs> it. <laughs> yeah. And they probably wanted to make something like a product was probably what came to mind for a lot of them. Right. Instead right. of just and that a lot exploration, of did did do a product, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, uh, lots yeah. of lots of flowers, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or or names or something. Spelling things out, I imagine, right. might have been something too. Um, yeah, I've I've done a I've got a workshop that I do sometimes called "Have We Forgotten How to Play?" and it's essentially that adults in the room are supposed to be thinking about the ways they played as a child, and um, and we just sort of engage in that and sort of revel in it um, when when the memories are coming you know when they have those memories and that ability to connect with it Um, and then at the end we we connect those memories to some you know developmental domains or something so that if they there are people who need that connection between the the learning I'm supposed to be teaching and you know what's happening in play but a lot of them I find don't have like free play memories that are easily accessible for them. No, no. And I think that's really hard. And if they do go to domains, it's usually intellectual domains yes. or fine motor, uh, mm-hmm. gross motor. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have to, I, recently it's been really bothering me is that I've had to remind them, what about emotional yeah. and social uh, development here? How does that represent? Mm-hmm. You know, and this in particular, you know, when we interfere, Mm-hmm. Um, I sort of sat down and thought, well, what are they interfering with? So, yeah, thinking, mm-hmm. um, the, but also agency, the child's own agency mm-hmm. and the, the comfort level of playing. You know, what what is that child feeling at that moment? What emotions uh, uh, is that child working with? Mm-hmm. Are they have has that material that they're playing with and it made them brought a memory Mm. that they're working through and how do we interrupt that and when we interrupt that what are we saying to them it's not just that we've interrupted the play and they look at you and give you a dirty look or they go okay yeah here she goes again yeah yeah I think about that (laughs) sometimes I, I don't know about Canada but in the United States there's been sort of a growing attention to social emotional uh, learning, I, I would call it development, but we call it learning SEL. And, but it's still very much packaged as presented as something the adults in charge of and teaches to the children through planned out activities. And I, and I think about this example of this little girl playing with the dinosaurs and all the things a teacher could want to do with that. Um, and, and I think about that from the child's perspective, the message they so often are, are being given is, your ideas aren't important. Your choice isn't important. Your interest and your play isn't important. And your ideas are not as good as my ideas. Um, and that 
has to have an impact on emotional development um, for that child. There's, you know, so why bother? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. You know, you're going to tell me what to do anyway. So why bother? Yeah. You know, yeah. so that again, going back to the agency that you, they, you've taken self-regulation away, you've taken mm-hmm. agency away. So you, we be all become these, you know, automatons. We're just mm-hmm. going to say yes. And that's what I like about Reggio because I was so lucky to go well, Have seven you been? years ago now. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Um, nice you know but you once isn't enough uh-huh. yeah yeah well and I'm glad you you bring that up because I was just thinking as I was listening to you it really comes down to our image of the child doesn't it whether they're uh-huh. a deficit or whether they're competent um and that's so much of what Reggio uh is built around yeah. is an image of a, of a competent child and the history about why they started it uh-huh. is that they wanted because they had fascism and communism and they were, um, they didn't want, they wanted children, human beings to say no, mm-hmm. to think. Mm-hmm. And Reggio gets children to think. Yeah. So I love that yeah. phrase that they teach children, in my opinion, <laughs> I don't agree with yes, you. Yes, I know, like that. In my opinion. Uh-huh. And I think that's very healthy. Yes. And, you know, in my opinion, <laughs> go away. I want to play with these dinosaurs. You're getting yeah. in my face. Yeah. And we shouldn't get annoyed when children do that. To yeah. Us. Yeah. There's a, a story from when my youngest Josie was um, uh, ooh, three, maybe. And um, we were at my, my ex-husband was in grad school. So we were at some kind of grad school barbecue or something. And uh, we're from Nebraska and the Nebraska Cornhuskers are our football team. And it's a very big thing for you when you're in Nebraska. And um, so she had a Cornhuskers shirt on and um, this, this guy just would not stop. He was like, what about the green bean Huskers? What about the apple Huskers? You know, like six or seven things. And she, <laughs> so um, I'm, I'm not saying this is the ideal response, but <laughs> Josie's turned to him and said, how about the shut your mouth Huskers? <laughs> And I think about that kind of whenever I see an adult peppering children with questions, when it's clear that the child is trying to do their, their idea, try to try to act on their own um, (laughs) ideas and initiative. Well, I mentioned Deborah beforehand, uh, my, our daughter, um, (laughs) when she was in uh, junior high, um, she was one of she's 43 now so she you know she, this was a long time uh-huh, ago she yeah. was one of the first kids with purple hair and Excellent. army boots and long skirts and whatever <laughs> and of course the we called them the hat heads um all of this the spotty types uh-huh. were teasing her and oh. well, bullying her actually mm. And one of them, some one day, went down and looked at her boots and was sort of saying, "Oh, look at you, female!" And, got boots <laughs> on. and what? She just turned. And, I'm not going to say the word. Okay. She said, "Oh, f off, loser!" <laughs> and people were really shocked. And I right? said, "No, no, don't be shocked." Mm-hmm. Because she knows who she is and, right. and how she is, even though she looks different. Right, right. And and we want to, we want children to be able to advocate for themselves. In, in fact, if it's a child who has been given a, a label of a disability or a delay or something, mm-hmm. often one of their goals on, um, you know, whatever. So I, 
here it's an IEP, an individualized ex- education plan. I don't know if that's what you guys would call yes. it up there. Yeah. Um, often the goal is that they want the child to learn to advocate for themselves, but then we we don't let them or we feel like no. it's rude or um, so like the stories that we both just told, obviously those were sort of extreme answers, but it's a good way to reframe for somebody what a child might be thinking or feeling when we're with good, mm-hmm. regardless of how good our intentions are to be right. a, a teacher. Um, we're, we're interfering. And we talk so much too about executive function and wanting children to be able to pay attention, but we interrupt them constantly with our scaffolding (laughs) and our teachable moments. Um, And so we sort of develop a pattern of not being able to focus and then, you know, say we want to, we want them to to have that focus. Right. We're, we're in a, a a society where TV's got ads every 10 minutes or, you know, faster for so people get up they go to the bathroom they go get a coffee mm-hmm. um that you know my husband can't sit through a movie anymore he has because he has to get up, and get up <laughs> so we're what are we doing with children you know they're at the children's tv is it's fast moving uh-huh. it's very rare that's you know that's why mr rogers was so incredible that he knew that children really needed to sit with the same picture for the same scene for a slow talking Uh man that they and people were fascinated that children liked that Mm -hmm. that they didn't need this yeah Uh, but we're doing that especially technology it's constant you know Mm -hmm. I'm bored now I've got to move on Mm -hmm. um what are we doing to human beings yeah so don't shouldn't we give children that gift when they're with us in childcare that we are just playing they mm-hmm. are they are we are we yeah could we could <laughs> <laughs> but they are just playing yeah and i i love that the loose parts mm-hmm. that you know this that's been around for a while now at least yeah. it has here in nova scotia yeah is beginning and don't get me wrong, not everybody's got these parts here, but um, that is changing the way people play because loose parts don't tell you what to do. Yeah. Yeah. But it's a, it's another, I think that's another example of something that is really wonderful. Mm -hmm. True loose parts play really wonderful. Children get engaged. They stay with it. They try out their ideas, but we are uncomfortable with that control. And so we have to turn it into, um, you know, our own idea of an invitation. (laughs) Yes. And the loose parts have to be beautiful and arranged and presented. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's still very much an adult goal that we're working towards then. Um, And it's so, it's just so interesting to see how we can, as a field, um, listeners probably get tired of me saying this, but we're so good at using euphemisms, like loose parts becomes the euphemism because it's, right. it's the new thing and it's popular and, and people are excited about it, but I'm not really changing what I'm right. doing all that no. much. Oh, I had the biggest fights had <laughs> with people is, um, well, why don't you just put the loose parts in the middle of a table and see what happens? Oh, but it looks messy. If yes. one more educator says it looks messy. Yes. Yes. Cut it out. <laughs> Time out for all of you. Yeah. I mean, I get, you know, if an adult has some sensory, um, you know, discomforts or issues, 
then I understand why some of that might be difficult. Um, but just if, if you're just averse to mess or if you're worried about what other people think when they look at it and it doesn't look like teaching or it doesn't look like I'm the one with the ideas, it's really uncomfortable for a lot of, a yeah. lot of people. Well, my director will think I'm just sitting there doing yeah. nothing. Yeah. Well, then why don't you tell your director that you're not? <laughs> exactly. I just had this in a conversation too. You're hitting on so many things, Liz. Um, for one, as a center director myself, when I was a center director, I didn't have time <laughs> to be out yeah. looking and, and, and wondering why things looked messy or whatever. But, um, uh, you know, also no one's firing anyone in childcare right now. We have such a shortage. No one's getting Cats. in trouble at work. No, no. So, um, so this is a really good time to embrace some of that and, yeah. and, and just practice getting really comfortable. If this is something you believe in uninterrupted play, true loose parts, play, um, children's agency and executive function, all those things then mm -hmm. connect that for you know practice making that connection so when yeah. people do look in you might even just say this might not look like what you expected it to look like here's why um, you just reminded me of a book on schemas it was from britain and i, I can't for the life of me remember who wrote it but it's about schemas and connecting to emotional development oh i need and that i need to find fascinating that. i'll mm -hmm. send i'll send you the um the title thank got you it upstairs um because i do a lot of work on schemas because that was one of those mind-blowing moments and totally changed yeah emergent the way i looked at emergent yeah. curriculum right uh -huh. about actions as opposed to the thing uh -huh. um, but then when i found this book about emotions as well that's that oh that's again, very interesting another mind blowing and she's very um, very clear about um she was she, she wasn't a big believer she what are you talking oh. about schemas are connected to emotion uh -huh. um and she talks about self regulation okay yeah that's really interesting to me an executive i'm going I'm going through all the schema authors that i know from that i recognize from the uk but um yeah yeah uh, yeah that's where i won't that's, do it right now, that's where i have to go for my afterwards I'll <laughs> yeah. <forget it. laughs> yeah and we'll yeah. post it either in the yeah. comments okay. when this episode yeah. comes out or in but the description it's really interesting mm -hmm. so i found it fascinating i wanted to talk about this too um maria montessori mm -hmm. now i don't think of maria montessori <laughs> is because people interpret i think they interpret her incorrectly yes i do too and um she, the uh, she's talking about agency and autonomy here and the child who has never learned to act alone to direct his own actions to govern his own will grows into an adult who is easily led mm. and must always lean upon others yeah. like, oh my god right why well, don't Montessori teachers know that because <laughs> i I, we do have a lot of listeners who work in Montessori and I know that it's very dependent on where you are and who you are individually, but I know. Well, I apologize folks. No, 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 no. But I do right? know but, that I also yeah. have talked to a lot of people who work in Montessori places who don't even know Maria Montessori was a person. Like they, they don't even know that history about their name. They, they associated with a current style of teaching or something Same. like that right. yeah so what I, I know that do you have oh we're Montessori, we're Montessori yes. yeah kind of like being Reggio inspired because we have baskets on the shelf 
I used to say, it's not Reggio if you've got those colored bottles on the windowsill. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, I, what else did you, when you, when you were thinking about talking about this quote, um, were there other things you thought about that we haven't gotten to that you want to make sure we get to? Um, I didn't prepare you for that question, but that's all right. <laughs> um, well, it goes on if ever, you know if anybody wants to find my uh, yeah. the Facebook page where it's on. <laughs> um, it does go on, and she talks about. She says, "Pause, always uh-huh. and often." Uh-huh. Uh, observe always first. and often. I like that. Uh-huh. Always and often. Yeah. She says, "Notice, notice what they're working on. Wait." to see if they invite you in to their play. Oh. Right? And yeah. a bit later, um, and it's, it was another quote it's, uh, that I found. It said, you know that you're invited in when they look at you. Or hand you something, yeah. Or hand you something, right? Yeah, yeah. So, and, and then, of course, she said, and just finish with joy and appreciation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, so usually when I, when we do an episode, that's like really challenging, a really prevalent habit. Um, I tried to talk a little bit before we wrap up about a baby step, but I think that pause is just maybe the baby step that could be the starting point is when you feel that urge, stop for a minute and see what happens if you don't step in. What do you have any other suggestions for someone who wanted to try? I mean, other than that pause, yeah, no, pause, um, observe, uh, uh-huh. you know, uh, in, in whatever way is good for you, because it took me a while when I first started observing and writing down, I thought probably in the 90s sometime in middle, early 90s, I started, and now I can't stop. <laughs> yeah. You know, knowing that I know it's a pain in the you know what to keep writing yeah. but just just always have pen and paper with you mm-hmm. and just write it down that's going to help you pause yeah and and I think uh for some folks who are so trained for assessment and observing ob- observing for them just automatically hooks into a checklist or some sort of skill uh deficit or strength that we need to be looking at but we're just talking about watching and just really yeah. writing what you see um thinking about it a little bit before you before you move in but that's where authentic assessment really comes to the which leads to authentic you've got it there right Mm -hmm. you've got those notes you your your own thinking Mm -hmm. um and so that you know hence the link to pedagogical documentation Mm -hmm. um yeah Yeah. you know it's um Uh, when I first started doing this work I was so so lucky um we had a conference with Marjorie Carter and Deb Curtis oh boy yeah I know (laughs) and we I was uh, I was on the committee that was organizing the the conference and I I went somebody said who's gonna you know look after Marjorie and Deb (laughs) I'll do it so I Margie asked if she could go to some of the daycares in, uh-huh. in the Halifax area here and uh, I said sure I you know I know enough people here that they'll, they'll have no problems uh-huh. so I had her in the car for a whole day going oh around. wow that's fun she said what do you do and so I was telling her and she's I said watch one of your challenges and I said well 
because I, I'm sort of a pedagogical leader, um, you know, in centers, con consulting, mm -hmm. coaching, mentoring. And she said, okay, I've got a tip for you. <laughs> Don't talk about them. Talk about the kids. Oh, yes, that is good. Yeah. What are the kids doing? Uh -huh. You know, how, how, how are they reacting? How, you know, how are they playing? You know, what do you think they were thinking uh -huh. to the educator? And I've taken that to heart and it works. It works. Beautiful. I'm writing it down because <laughs> yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to offer that even for our, like my early childhood students who go out and do observations. Yeah. I'm going to offer that, that differently yeah. now. That's so good. Well, she's a, you know, she's such a wise woman. She's not <laughs> that is the truth. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And um, uh, Deb Curtis said her most intellectual thing she's ever done is work with infants. Yeah. And that was another, oh, yes. Right. Because it's all about watching, right? With infants, all yeah. 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 Oh, another good way to think about things. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's what they do. I every time I read anything that they've done, and or um now Deb did a book with Nadia Habonetta yes. and um yeah. yeah, and Margie did one with Ann Palo, and oh, they're just really so yeah. thought-provoking and inspiring. Yeah. Are you doing anything with the Row Initiative, uh, Heather? No. No, oh, not really. Are you? That's so exciting. Yeah. So the Row Initiative is reimagining our work and it's through Exchange Press, right? Or is it just through with Margie and Deb? Well, it started yeah. off just through, uh, well, as a committee, right? Uh -huh. so there's there's uh, conveners. Yeah. There's the, the, those two loose. I don't know how to say. Oh, it. yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, yeah. Christine Allwood. Uh -huh, uh -huh. Uh, yeah. Uh, Chris Whitmire, Cecilia Scott Crawford and Pam Bolton. Pam Bolton. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's uh, so I, I had read the book and I had contacted Ampello and said, whoa, <laughs> you know, from teaching <laughs> to thinking. Yes. And uh, she said, oh, we're thinking of starting this initiative. Are you interested? And then we got um, myself, Sue Stacy. And another girl called Carrie Nelson got invitations to be part, wow. to be facilitators of communities of practice. So uh -huh. we now have communities of practice here on the East Coast oh, where, I love that. that we meet on a monthly basis. Um, we, we're sort of working our way through the book. Some of them have finished. The other two have finished the book. My my group hasn't. It's a heavy, <laughs> it's heavy. Like it's yeah. wonderful, but it's a lot. It's not one that you just pick up and read straight through and put down and you go off in different directions yeah yeah you know like yesterday we started on chapter five that's all we've got to in a year and a half <laughs> and and we were totally engrossed yeah with you know who are we as a community who do we want to be mm -hmm. the ccas yeah that's it's, amazing yeah that's so and, and everybody yeah. is you know, really enjoying this community of practice to be able to talk to like-minded people. Yeah. Like you. It <laughs> <laughs> sounds really amazing. I, I remember when I got the book, I was like, I have to have a book group about this. I have to talk to other people about it, but it's, it is like, it's a commitment to do that. It's not mm -hmm. just like the summer book discussions we did that first COVID summer where we would read one and discuss it a couple of times yes. and read another and discuss it a couple of times. It just wouldn't work that way. So, well, the poetry they've put in it, yeah. we've spent day, you know, whole evenings on just the poem. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh boy. Well, this is turning into a podcast, uh, second episode about just that book from teaching to thinking. 
Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to wrap this one up, but, um, you're welcome back. If you want to talk about some stuff from, from that book, that would be great. Um, but thank you for being on Liz. This has been fun. I thought it would be. And now I know it really was. <laughs> yeah. Well, as I said, I was scared when you asked me, but then I thought, oh, what the hell I know. Heather. I know. Heather. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, we're very, we're very relaxed here, but also, um, I like to think very smart and, uh, and making an impact. So I thank you for being part of that. Um, we're going to wrap this episode thank up you. though. Um, thanks Liz. Thanks everybody for listening and come back again for another episode of that early childhood nerd. And that's the show. Now go get your nerd on. This has been an Explorations Early Learning Upstairs Studio production. Oh.